Welcome to Full Potential, Thriving with Autism. I'm your host, Sarah Antonato. This podcast teaches parents of children with autism to support their kids in reaching their full potential so that they can thrive and not let stereotypes define them. By looking at a variety of topics, such as health, advocacy, and spirituality, my mission is to end suffering amongst these parents by giving them the tools to heal themselves, which in turn empowers them to be bold advocates for their children. By gaining the confidence needed to do so, these parents stop being the victims of a broken system and instead succeed in providing their unique children with exactly what they need to thrive and share their own gifts with the world. One by one, these families now change the world through autism instead of being victimized by it. Are you ready? Let's get started. Hello, hello, and welcome. Thank you so much for joining me on today's podcast episode, where we're diving into how you can create time for yourself when you are the parent of a child on the autism spectrum. This is no small task, and I'll be the first person to tell you that taking time for yourself is rarely convenient or easy when you have a child that's unique, whether it be through autism or any type of disability or special needs. However, It is crucial, probably more crucial for you to do this than anyone else because you need to give more of yourself than the average parent does. And we're going to dive right into how to do this today. But before we do, it's crucial that we differentiate between real self-care and maintenance. And you're going to know exactly what I mean. If you're like me, you've probably seen the memes on the internet that say, manis and petties are not self-care. And if you're like me, I love having a manicure. I love having a pedicure. I've been a yoga teacher for over 18 years. So pedicures were part of my regular grooming routine. However, they were just that, part of my grooming routine. One of my dear friends, Rachel Cook, calls it maintenance. And she does so because she says, and rightfully so, that her husband would never qualify getting a haircut or a shave as self-care. No, it's just something he does for maintenance to keep himself well-groomed and feeling good, but it doesn't affect his level of clarity or healing in his life the way real self-care does. So especially for all the women listening, we need to highlight the difference between maintenance and real self-care. I love to get waxed, color my hair, keep my hands and feet nice with manicures and pedicures, but this is my maintenance for grooming. This is not what real self-care means to me. It doesn't mean you shouldn't do your maintenance. I certainly do, and I do it diligently, but it would not be enough for me on a soul level to keep me feeling fulfilled. So that's what I mean when I say notice the difference between taking time for yourself in ways that are necessary for grooming and maintenance, maybe even a really nice hot shower without a kid in there with you feels like maintenance for you, and that's important to do. But self-care is different. Self-care brings you into a state of clarity. In the Yoga Sutra, which I've studied extensively, it talks about this level of clarity as being a yogic state or an ideal state for operating from in your life. Real self-care brings healing if you've had a traumatic experience in your life, and really most people have. For me, my son's autism diagnosis was also a traumatic experience. 
Real self-care that has a calming effect on the nervous system that allows you to process and release traumatic patterns and behaviors is crucial. And while I love getting my nails done, that is not the same thing. So keep this difference in mind as you listen today so that you can highlight what you really need in your life, whether it be for grooming and maintenance or for self-care, and notice the differences and allow yourself to have both in a greater way. Let's take a deeper look now. We're actually going to go through a four-step process today to determine how you can create more time in your life for self-care, starting right now. And the first step to do this is to figure out what you actually need. I know this sounds so simple, but in a world that is bombarded with noise and chatter, whether it be through social media or family and friends in your life, it's even more important that you take time out to check in with you. Time to be quiet. Time to ask yourself, what do I really need to feel better? What do I really need to operate in my life with a greater level of clarity? What do I need to be stronger and more fulfilled for myself so that I can perform better and advocate when my child needs me to advocate for him or her. This looks different for everyone. For me, I know I might sound like a one-trick pony here, but yoga and meditation are activities in my life which are priority, and I do not substitute anything else for them. The reason? They have a calming and steadying effect on the nervous system. They help to process and release trauma. They make me feel alive without feeling frenetic, like I've over-caffeinated. For me, that's very important. So there is no substitute for yoga and meditation in my world. Anything else I do, whether it be a walk in nature, which I also love, surfing, cooking with my favorite music on, dabbling in essential oils, journaling, etc., all those things come second. And I make time for them as I can and want to, But my yoga practice is a priority in my life, and I do it diligently. I've been doing it diligently five to six days a week for almost 20 years. People often say, wow, you're so lucky that you can do that in your life. And I smile to them and say, there's nothing lucky about it. I choose this. I make time for this. Maybe it's just that my level of anxiety that I have in my life especially when I was in my early 20s and having severe anxiety attacks, requires me to use this as medicine. I chose this instead of choosing Xanax. And please know there is no shame if you've chosen Xanax. But I chose this because it made me feel healed and whole. So as a result, I prioritize it in my life. I make time for it, even when it's not convenient, like getting up at five o'clock in the morning, because I know It makes me better for everyone and everything else in my life. You may not have the same needs as me. You might need a 10-minute meditation. You might need restorative yoga to end the day. You might need to sit with your coffee in the morning and journal. You might need to go to CrossFit and lift and move heavy things and sweat. You might need to go to kickboxing class and hit something until you feel all the tension is removed from your body. There's no right or wrong here. And that's what I want you to know. 
But I do want you to know if you're not sure what you need, it's time to get quiet. And even if you sit quietly for five minutes with the intention of asking your higher self what you really need right now, jotting it down when the answer comes to you, I'm certain that you will know if you take the time to be quiet and look inward. The sad fact is most people, especially parents of unique children, are so busy driving kids to speech therapy, doctor's appointments, etc., that they don't take the time to even sit quietly for five minutes. They don't take the time to look inward. So that's step one, and that's what I'm asking you to do today. What do you need? If you already have an established yoga practice or self-care habit that you know works for you, maybe it's time to revisit it. Have you been shortchanging it a little bit? Maybe cutting some corners or shortening your routine in order to put others ahead of you. Maybe it's time to simply turn up the volume a little bit on that habit to make it a greater presence in your life. That might be the case for you too. But I will say, beyond a shadow of a doubt, I highly recommend that you include silence in some fashion. Maybe it is sitting in silence for five minutes per day because the idea of sitting any longer makes your skin crawl. That's fine. Start with five minutes. Maybe it is doing hypnotherapy or self-hypnosis. Maybe it is journaling. Maybe it is doing a walking meditation in the woods. Whatever it is for you, please don't make your self-care something on your to-do list. And taking at least five to 10 minutes of silence per day will help you ensure that you're checking in with yourself. You're not just moving too fast or adding another thing to your addiction of doing, but you're actually taking the time and energy to reconnect to you. Step two, this also is going to sound incredibly simple, but it makes a huge difference when you actually take the time to do it. Once you establish what you need in your life for real self-care, clarity, healing, health, etc., block it in your calendar. I know this sounds so stupid, but you'd be shocked at how many people do not. And I find that even as a yoga practitioner of 20 years, I have to block my practice in my calendar. And it's better that I do so because that way nobody on my team and my business overbooks me. Nobody accidentally creeps into my self-care time because I've let them know I'm not available at this time of day. This is time reserved for me. So as a result, we have good communication and we're all on the same page. If you have a shared calendar with your family members, this is a great thing to do as well because nobody can respect your boundaries if they don't know what they are. First, you have to set them. You might understand that you need one hour every morning for exercise. So block that hour. And if that hour is during the school drop-off, well, you can then communicate with your spouse or your older children how they can help you. But they can't help you if you don't ask. And they can't help you if you don't have a boundary. Having a boundary is one thing. Blocking it in the calendar is another thing. And that's great. But actually adhering to these boundaries and upholding them is a completely different story. And it will be so much easier to do this if you allow people in your life to know and understand 
that you have a boundary. Again, I know this sounds like rocket science. We know it's not. But I'm always stunned at how many people, especially women and mothers, come through my door and we work in a consultant and client relationship and they have a lot of blame toward their spouse, toward their life situation about not having time for themselves. And very often what we discover is that they really haven't made a strong effort to have boundaries around what they need. They just assume nobody else respects their boundaries. And it's actually not true. Usually their husbands or children are excited to help them. They're thrilled to actually know how they can help. But they can't help if they don't know. It's up to you to figure out what you need first and then to ask for what you need. So step one is blocking it in the calendar. Well, actually, that's step two. Step one is figuring out what you need. Step two is blocking it in the calendar, having boundaries around that time and energy and space for yourself, and trusting yourself not to shortchange it. So very often, people put things in the calendar as well and then ignore it. So maybe you need an accountability buddy. Maybe you have been telling yourself for months that you're going to get up earlier and not hit snooze, but yet you keep hitting hitting snooze. If that's the case, I encourage you to book a call with me because we've got some stuff to clean up. You need to trust the word that you give to yourself. You need to keep the promises that you make to yourself. So figure out what you need, then develop some boundaries around it and uphold those boundaries. Boundaries are also something that sounds so simple and in reality, when people have to uphold them, they start to sweat and they get really nervous and they worry how other people will react. So I want you to hear this loud and clear. How anyone reacts to your boundary is not your responsibility. Their reaction, their feelings are not your responsibility. Your responsibility is keeping the promise that you've made to yourself. And this is a beautiful segue into step three, which is communicate and ask for support around your boundaries. And I know we've started to scratch the surface in this concept already, but again, so many mothers especially feel guilty for taking the time they need for real self-care because they're always doing, doing, doing for everyone else. And it's true, dads do as well experience this guilt, but far, far less frequently than mothers do. And I want to take the shame out of this for mothers. Mothers feel connected to their children in a different way than dads do. Naturally, this is biology. You carry your child in many cases, and if not, it's a different type of bond between a mother and a child, whether it's your biological child or not. And I understand what it's like to feel like once you're in the mode of mothering in the day, it's very, very hard to step away. So what I found works best for me is to do what I need to do for myself before the day gets going. Because I know once I'm in work mode and once I'm in mothering mode, I want to be with my children, especially my son, who's on the spectrum. He requires a lot of my time and energy. I want to have that bond with him. So everybody wins if I can just take care of myself first. 
this requires me to tell my husband, sorry, honey, I can't hang out late at night with you because I have to get up early in the morning. Sometimes he's cool with it. Sometimes he wishes that we're different. It doesn't matter. He's always happy when I'm not a raging bitch in the house. And I'm sure you can relate. So even though it's not always convenient for him that I have boundaries, he understands why I have them. And when I say, hey, I need your help with bedtime tonight so I can get to bed early and take care of myself in the morning, he's always happy to help. But let me tell you, he probably wouldn't help as much if I didn't ask. It's up to me to communicate what I need. It's up to me to let him know that I'm requiring support. So many women and mothers have this Wonder Woman complex where they feel like it brings shame on them if they ask for help. And that's simply not true. Ignoring your need for support is like taking the fast lane to burnout. Find the time of day that works for you to implement your self-care time. Honor that time. Put boundaries around that time. And then communicate to others what you need. Maybe you need to book a babysitter. If you live in the United States, for example, maybe you need to file for some respite hours so that you can get more childcare help with a specialist who understands your unique child. Because maybe a regular babysitter does not. Maybe you need your spouse's help with filling out that paperwork. Maybe you need to hand it over to your secretary at work. Whatever. Do what you need to do so that you can create some healthy habits around self-care and be consistent about it. Communication around what your needs are and upholding those boundaries for yourself is essential. The last step in finding more time for self-care for you is to ditch the all or nothing mentality. So often people go and live in the past and say, oh, well, I used to go to yoga for an hour and a half every day at the studio before I had kids. And that's just not realistic now, especially now that I have a child with autism. It's hard for me to get childcare or he just needs more of my attention. So I don't do it. And when I ask them why they don't just do 15 minutes of yoga then, they look like I've hit them in the face with a two by four. They have been so caught up in the all or nothing mentality So caught up in the, oh, if it's not an hour and a half, it doesn't count. Or if I can't do the perfect meditation for 30 minutes, it doesn't count as meditation at all. That they do nothing. And the sad fact is that nobody wants to admit is that most often when you are stuck in an all or nothing mentality, you end up doing nothing. How often have you caught yourself saying, oh, I'm a yoga practitioner, even though you haven't done yoga in five years because you're so caught up in doing it the way you used to do it. Spoiler alert, the way you used to do it may not work for your life anymore. That doesn't mean you should do nothing. Please, by all means, reach out to me. I can give you resources. We can get you meditating for eight minutes a day. We can get you practicing yoga for 15 minutes a day. And I would venture to say that practicing for 15 minutes a day, five to six, seven days a week, is more powerful than practicing yoga once a month for 90 minutes. What is a habit that you can build every day, even if it's journaling for five minutes in the morning, that you can do every morning to help you, to ground you in your life? 
Have you been caught up in the all or nothing mentality? It's time to ask yourself. And if you find that the answer is yes, please don't feel guilt or shame. Just forgive yourself and try something new. You don't have to figure out why you did it. You don't have to waste your energy dwelling on the past mistakes you've made. You can just change it right now. That's all. So where do you want to put your energy? Do you want to put it wishing for what once was? Do you want to put it wondering what went wrong? Or do you want to put it in doing something better for yourself right now? Well, I practice yoga six days a week. I'm also a human and a mother and have a special child and give myself grace at least one day a week when my yoga practice is a little bit less. I allow myself to do less on purpose. There might be a day where I have a really long commute. There might be a day where kids are homesick. Life is just lifing that day. So I still show up for myself. I still do it. But it may not be like what it would be when I'm traveling to India alone and able to pour my whole self into my practice with my guru, with no cares in the world, no responsibilities, and time to rest and integrate after. And that's okay. I appreciate both. Every time I do go back to India to study with my guru, I always, always, always thank myself for the days where I showed up, even when I didn't want to, even when it wasn't convenient, even when I could only make 15 minutes of my practice work instead of my hour and 45 minutes. Because it had a cumulative effect on the result that I'm feeling in that moment with my guru that day where everything feels amazing. And I can take as much time as I need. So what can you do today that will be part of your cumulative effect, that will be part of your well-being for the long term? in body and mind and spirit. Let's recap our four-step process so that you can take these habits with you and integrate them into your life starting now. You don't have to wait. Don't wait for next week. Start today and help yourself have more time for clarity, for healing, for growth. After you've realized the difference, of course, between real self-care, soul time, versus maintenance and grooming. Step one is to figure out what you actually need. Only you will know the answer to this. So get quiet if you haven't yet found that clarity in your life. And ask yourself, what do I need? I also want to point out this may not be what you want. I don't always want to get on my yoga mat for an hour and 45 minutes. It's a lot. Some days it feels easy and super nice. Other days it feels challenging. But I know it's what I need. So what do you need for more clarity in your life? Make sure you include silence in some fashion. Step two, block it in the calendar. That way you can have boundaries around it and others can as well. Don't forget to uphold those boundaries because if you don't, boundaries are meaningless. Step three, communicate your boundaries to everyone in your life who could help you and ask for their support. Step four, ditch the all or nothing mentality. Take a deep breath. Remind yourself it's not all or nothing that matters. You don't need to be perfect 
to actually create change and healing in your life. You just have to put one foot in front of the other and start. Thank you so much for listening today. And remember, you can't advocate for your child if you're still throwing your own well-being under the bus. Listening to this podcast is just the first step. I'd love to know one action step you're implementing after this episode to help you thrive in your own life. So follow me over on Instagram at sarah.intonato and let me know. If today's show resonated with you, please leave a review through your favorite podcast provider as it's an important step in allowing new listeners to find us when they need to hear this message in their own lives.